but it is such an honor and a privilege uh, to speak to you today. I was going to say something about, you know, associate pastors at churches normally get, this is one of the Sundays they get to preach. Either that or the pastor emeritus, right, John Ed? Um, you know, the Sunday after Christmas, the Sunday after Easter, normally called low attendance Sundays. <laughs> and, and I said they, they do that because then they can say, you know, I'd let you preach more, but the numbers are just down. You know, whenever you preach, numbers are down. But anyway, but I, I'm appreciative for this. And again, I'm appreciative for the, for the subject matter um, that I get to preach about today. A new year, goodness gracious, uh, upon us. Hard to believe the last day. Uh, of December of 2023, um, it's upon us. Tomorrow will be a new day. It's like a new slate, a new book that's not written in. Anybody remember slates? Anybody remember blackboards? And uh, now you know, I mean, dry erase. Now everything's you no know, digital up on screens, but blackboards. You know, it used to be an honor if you were asked to clean the blackboard and then. Uh, shake out the erasers. You had to clap, clap the erasers together, make all that dust and everything. Yeah, that was always, that was always fun to do. I heard about a little boy uh, the teacher had asked him to, to, to get wet rags and to clean off the, the blackboard. And uh, so he was doing that and she left the room and when she came back a couple minutes later, he's just in tears. He said, what's wrong? He said, the more and more that I wipe the board, the blacker it gets. Something is wrong. I can't just seem to clean the blackboard. So, but we get a new store, a new, uh, and most of you didn't get that because you don't wear blackboards. But anyway, it's all okay. So, we are finishing up this series about pictures of grace where we have been looking at the genealogy of Jesus in um, the, the gospel of Matthew, the first chapter, and especially looking at the women the women that uh, were part of that genealogy. We talked about Tamar and how God restores. Uh, and remember that was back in the book of Genesis um, before the Hebrew people had even been taken into Egypt. Then we had Rahab. Uh, this was during the time of Joshua when they began to conquer uh, the promised land and going into Jericho. And Rahab was there um, in Jericho and God rescues. And that was the message there. Ruth, I got to preach about Ruth and how God redeems, how God has a plan for us. And this was after the conquest of Canaan, the promised land, but it was incomplete. They did not chase out all of the people um, who lived there. This was the time of Judges. And then last Sunday, we talked about Bathsheba. And God, Chris did such a wonderful job. I was wondering, how are we going to talk about Bathsheba on Christmas? But an excellent message and talked about God's forgiveness in Bathsheba. That, of course, was during the time of King David. Now we're moving much further into the future. And we're at the time of the birth of Christ. And we are talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and how God indwells, how God works in our life. So let's pray together. Lord, bless us as we share this time together in your word. Lord, open our ears that we might hear, open our eyes that we might see, but especially open our hearts and our spirits that we might comprehend your word and how to apply it to our lives as we begin this new year. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your servant, Mary. Bless us during this time for this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we look at the um, gospel of Matthew, the first chapter, and in the first verse, it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Okay, so we know um, that Jesus is from the lineage of King David. He is also, of course, a Jew, God's chosen people from the lineage of Abraham. And then in verse 16, and Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, 
of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Now, do you notice the little subtle change in what it says about Joseph? Just about everybody says they were the father of, the father of, the father of. But when we get to Joseph in verse 16, it says, Joseph, the husband of Mary, from of whom Jesus was born. So it says, if Matthew wants to remind us, you see, Jesus was not born of Joseph. Joseph was not Jesus' biological father, although he was his earthly father. Jesus was truly the son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, when we say the Apostles' Creed, if you say that, we recognize uh, the fact that uh, we believe Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. That's what we believe. That's uh, this process. And Matthew wants to remind us of that. Uh, you know, it's amazing, no matter how many times you read the Bible, you always pick up something new. I like reading through the Bible um, every year. And um, I, I remember this about it saying Joseph, not the father, but Joseph, the husband. But uh, this just brought it back to light. I remember in our Life Along the Way series, uh, as we were reading about Jesus' death on the cross, it talked about the women gathered under the cross, and it talked about Mary, the mother of Jesus, and her sister. I didn't realize Mary had a sister and that it's mentioned in a scripture. It's only that one place that it's there. That's why it's so important for us to spend time in God's word. Because there's always something new to learn and something new for us to understand and apply to our lives. You know, as we begin this new year, I just encourage you to challenge yourself to spend time daily in God's word. Um, I know everybody's busy and we got so much to do, but you can make room for the important things, can't you? Um, you can set aside some time and say, this is what I'm going to do during this year. And, and I challenge you, first of all, to read big chunks of the Bible. Maybe you wanna be challenged to read through the whole Bible this year. Maybe just the Old Testament this year. Maybe just the New Testament this year. But read big portions of the Bible so you can see the overall picture of how it all goes together. It's amazing how you see things that are foreshadowed in the Old Testament that relate to things in the New Testament and the prophecies and all those things. It's wonderful to do that. But not only do that, but take small portions of the Bible that you really dive in deep and study and meditate. You can do that on your own. You can use it with a nice uh, study book or the books that we're doing here at the church. I hope you'll be reading those about forgiveness and uh, the other series that we'll have during the year. But be a part of maybe a Bible study group where you can dive in deep. And fortunately, we have so many Bible study groups that are here at the church. I encourage you this year to get involved in one of those and dive in deep. And then lastly, to memorize portions of the scripture. Now, I know that's hard. I know we don't like that. It, it reflects back when we were kids, probably in school, and we had to memorize a poem or something like that or a part of a story and said, oh, now I've got to stand up in front of the class and recite it and stuff. You know, it's not for that. It's that you can have God's word in your heart. And whenever you need it, you just can call upon it. Uh, use flashcards, use uh, little notes that maybe put on your mirror and your refrigerator, stuff like that, that have scripture passages and you can learn them and memorize that. So I just challenge you to do that this next year. Read the Bible, big chunks, small portions to study, memorize it, and that had nothing to do with the message, but it's just free. I just wanted to share that with you today. All right, so we're talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. I wanna share this little quote, just a paragraph, from a book that's entitled All the Women of the Bible, um, written by Edith Dean. This is what it says. As the mother of Jesus Christ, Mary stands apart from all women in history, in art, 
In music and even in literature, she's become the embodiment of all that is fine and noble in womanhood. Even to unbelievers, she is the subject of adoration. No woman in the entire history of the world has been so honored and so revered. Wow, it's true. I'd say even outside of the church, you can talk about the Virgin Mary or, or Mary, the mother of Jesus. People say, oh yeah, I know, I know who you are talking about. But who is this Mary and what do we really know about this Mary? The reality is not a whole lot. There's not a whole lot mentioned in the scripture um, about her. Um, the Bible doesn't mention who her parents are. It doesn't say how old she was, although we think she was probably a teenager at the oldest in her early 20s. It doesn't say anything about her occupation or what she did or what her skills were. It doesn't say anything about her social status, except we believe she was poor uh, because when they got to, to Bethlehem, they had to stay in that inn. They just had uh, rags to wear. They didn't have a whole lot. Then the same thing about her appearance. What did she look like? Was she tall? Was she short? Was she thin? Was she fat? We don't know anything about that. But what we do know about her biblically comes mostly from the birth narratives, from what we find in Matthew and what we find especially in the Gospel of Luke. So I invite you to turn um, in your Bibles to Luke, to the first chapter starting in verse 26. If you're looking at the Pew Bible, it's found on page 1016. This is about the angel coming to visit Mary and the whole start about the birth of Christ. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, the sixth month doesn't mean the sixth month of the year. It wasn't June. Um, it was the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Angel Gabriel had come and visited her husband. Do you remember that? Said, your, Elizabeth is gonna have a child. She's now become pregnant. This is the sixth month of her pregnancy now when the angel comes. It says, the angel came to Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, to be betrothed, this is kind of, there was like a three-part marriage process in the Jewish faith. First, there was the announcement, um, you know, the match that was made between the man and the woman. That announcement was made. Then a year, usually, was spent between for the housekeeping to get set up uh, for the bride to come. And then there would be the wedding ceremony, and the person would move into the house. But during that time of betrothal, that was as good as being married, uh, the only way to end that is divorce. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But they were as good as married. So she's betrothed to Joseph. Um, the angel comes and says to her, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. You have found favor with God. You are a favored one. Wow. What exactly does that mean to find favor with God? Well, first of all, I think it means to have faith to believe who God is, to believe he's alive, to believe he's active in the world today. Um, it also means um, that you are humble before God. You are obedient to God, to what God asks you to do, to his commands, to his words. You are pure of heart and of spirit. You know, we never see Mary exalt herself, but she is always humble and pious before God. Mary has found favor with God. There is something special about her life and her devotion to God. That has been recognized by him. And then the other thing is, the angel says, the Lord is with you. Oh, what good news. And that's good news to us too, because the Lord is with us 
as well. The Lord is here, the Lord is present. No matter what he is calling you to do, no matter what he's gonna do in your life, God is going to be present with you and lift you up. But it says, then Mary was greatly troubled at this saying, and she tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. What does this all mean? And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you again have found favor with God. You don't have to be frightened. God is with you. He sees your devotion. He sees your heart. He sees your character. And God is with you. And God loves you. And God is present. Then he shares with Mary about a miracle that is going to happen in her life. The angel says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom of his kingdom, there will be no end. But Mary said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? I've not known a man. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born in you will be called Holy and the Son of God. This young teenager <laughs> hears this message from an angel. A miracle, a mystery is going to happen in your life. You are going to conceive and have a child, but not by normal means. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and that child within your womb is going to be the very son of God. Wow. Something that has never, ever happened before. Something that is never going to happen again. Mary, you are the one, the chosen one. God will do this. Something that has never happened before. I wonder if she thought about that passage from Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14, where Isaiah says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Did she remember that passage? Was she thinking about that as the angel spoke to her? And again, the angel goes on and says, behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. This is her sixth month with her who was called barren in verse 37. And nothing will be impossible with God. Folks, that's good news. Nothing is impossible with God. No matter what you have faced, no matter what you will face in 2024, nothing is impossible with God and the miracle of Christ's conception and his birth reminds us God can do all things. And what is her response? She said, no way. There's <laughs> no way. I don't think so. But she said, behold, I am the humble servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary embraces her calling. No matter the cost, she is submissive, she is humble, she is obedient to God. She is devoted to whatever God's plan is for her and for her life. Oh, that we may have that same heart and that same spirit. God, I'm your humble servant. Whatever it is you want me to do, whatever it is you're calling me to do, I am devoted to your plan for my life. 
I will do this, whatever you say. Now, this visit of the angel, where does it take place? Is, is she on a spiritual retreat somewhere? Is she in the temple? Is she in the synagogue? Does it even say that she is praying? It's just in the midst of her ordinary life, the angel comes and visits her and tells her about this great miracle he's going to do in her life. That's the way God works. I mean, yes, God can call us sometimes when we're on retreats or we're you know, in some place special, but oftentimes God just calls us out of the everyday, out of the normal, standing in line at the store, uh, getting gas in our car, driving down the road. God can speak to us and call us just like he did Mary, and that's the way he works. Look at Moses. There he was out tending Jethro's sheep, his father-in-law's sheep, when suddenly he sees this bush that's burning. Well, burning bush wasn't all that strange, but the bush was not consumed. It just kept burning. Isn't that kind of cool? How about if we had logs in our fireplace? And that would just keep burning. It would never be consumed. Actually, I have those. They're called gas logs. But anyway, I, dig I digress. Um, so, so there is this, this burning bush, and it calls him aside, and God calls him out of that. Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press, <laughs> but there he is when an angel appears to him and says, hey, mighty warrior. He looks around, who are you talking to? God called Gideon. And then it was Samuel. <laughs> Samuel was asleep. <laughs> and the voice of God came to him, Samuel, Samuel. He figured it was Eli. Runs to Eli, did you call me? No. And finally they figure out, it's the Lord calling you. And, and finally he says, just tell him your servant is listening if he calls you one more time. And God calls Samuel. David is out tending the sheep when suddenly Samuel is there and anoints him with oil to become the king of Israel. A couple of guys out fishing, not doing real well, <laughs> hadn't caught anything all night. Jesus says to them, hey, throw your net near the side of the boat. And they do, and when they bring in this large haul of fish, Jesus says, hey, follow me, I'll make you fishers of man. God calls them out of their everyday, what they're doing. And then there's the shepherds out in their field, watching their sheep at night when suddenly the angels appear and say, hey, I got good news. Something wonderful has happened there in Bethlehem. God seems to call a lot of people when they're tending sheep, doesn't he? Maybe we need to tend some sheep and we can hear God a little bit better, I don't, I don't know. But God called this young, ordinary, poor girl named Mary to do his marvelous work. If God can use her, God can use us. Are we listening? Are we listening to him call us out of our everyday, out of our ordinary doings? God can do this. Now we know there's a song at Christmas time that we sing called Mary Did You Know? And it talks really about the future of Jesus' works. You know, the blind will see, the lame will walk, the deaf will hear, and uh, the storms will be calmed, all this stuff. Mary, did you know? I wanna say, no, she had no idea. <laughs> but what Mary did know is that she was gonna have the very son of God, that this miracle was gonna happen in her life. She was gonna have a son that was gonna be called Jesus. That means the Lord saves. He was also gonna be called Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Did she have any idea what this was gonna to do to her life? Any effect it was gonna to have to her? Because now she was a teenage girl or a young woman, pregnant, but not married. And people did not look on that with favor. <laughs> people frowned upon it. People would talk about you and gossip about you and whisper behind your back and say all kinds of things about you. You ever had those experiences? People talk about you? That's what she was facing in her life. She was ostracized. Um, she was gossiped about. And she couldn't hide it. I mean, there's some things we can do that we can hide and keep hidden away. 
not when you're pregnant. <laughs> I mean, eventually, people are gonna know. You can't hide it from anyone, and people talked about her. Even the Jewish civil law talked about her situation and what could happen. In Deuteronomy 22, verses 23 and 24, if there's a betrothed virgin, Mary's case, and a man meets her in a city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out of the gate of that city. You shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though she was in the city, the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife, you shall purge the evil from your midst. So a person, a young woman who is betrothed and who is found to be pregnant could be stoned. That was the Jewish law. And not only that, but it ruined her future and her relationship with Joseph. What was she gonna say to Joseph? Maybe even she told the truth. Oh, come on, how is that possible, Mary? We know that that can't happen. And Joseph finds out, and he decides that he's gonna divorce her quietly. In Matthew 1, 18 through 21, the birth of Jesus took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. So Joseph also is a righteous and a devout man. And when he finds out that Mary is pregnant, he decides to, to divorce her, but quietly. Remember, they're betrothed, which was as good as being married. He's gonna divorce her quietly and not humiliate her. Joseph only saw two, two things, two possibilities. Either I divorce her quietly or I make a public spectacle of this and humiliate her. And perhaps she even is stoned for what she's done. God has another option. <laughs> God says, Joseph, don't, don't divorce her. Don't put her away. Instead, go ahead and marry her. Huh? Go ahead and marry her. And Joseph does that. You know, sometimes God gives us alternatives that we never even think about. I believe God answers all prayers. Y'all believe that? God answers all prayers. Sometimes, however, his answer is no. We might be asking for the wrong thing. Sometimes his answer is yes, and sometimes it's immediate, and God does wonderful things. Sometimes God's answer is wait. This is not the right time, but my favorite. Sometimes God says, surprise! I've got something you didn't even think about. Something you didn't even imagine. That was Joseph's case. Right, just go ahead and marry her. <laughs> That's what I tell you doing. You know, he would have faced uh, embarrassment and humiliation as well, but willingly he did that. Poor Mary, things went from bad to worse. I mean, not only is she made fun of and humiliated, now they got to take this long trip to Bethlehem to be away from family and any support that she had. They get there late. All of the rooms in the town have been taken, and the only place around is a cave, a stable, we don't know exactly what it is. The only thing the scripture says, there was no room in the inn and he was placed in a cattle trough, a feeding trough, probably made out of stone with some straw in there. That was his bed. That's all she had. Wow. What an awful, awful experience. But yet we don't hear Mary complain. We don't hear her cry out. Instead, she says, I am blessed. <laughs> God has blessed me. And finally, the thing we also see in Mary is how she treasures and ponders things in her heart. You remember after Jesus was born, the angels see, I mean, the, the shepherds see the angels? 
And they're told to go to Bethlehem to see this site. And they come and they share with Mary and Joseph all the angels said to them. And they are just filled with awe and are marveling at what he said. And Mary, it says, treasured these things in her heart. And she pondered them. There were other things that happened. The wise men came and visited, gave them expensive gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And she marveled and pondered treasured these things. When she went to the temple for her purification, there she met Simeon and Anna, two old people who uh, were waiting for the coming of the Messiah. And when they saw Jesus, they knew this is the one. And they told about who he was going to be and what he was going to do. And they marveled in their heart. And finally, when Jesus was 12 years old, they accidentally left him in the temple. And when they came and they found him, he was debating with all the rabbis and all of the teachers. And Jesus said to them, didn't you know I would be here in my father's house? And again, they marveled and pondered what all this would mean. As we begin this new year, I encourage you to treasure in your heart and to ponder the things of God. What has he been doing in your life? What is he doing in your life? What is he saying to you? How is he calling to you? Have you pondered his great love? his amazing grace, the wonders of his death and his resurrection, the wonders of his birth and all that he's done, the wonders of forgiveness that he offers to you and to all. As you enter this new year, I invite you to be like Mary, to be humble and obedient to what God calls you to do and to treasure the things of God in your heart and ponder them. Ponder who he is. Ponder what he's saying to you. And then to go and to do and to be the person that God wants you to be. May God help us as we learn about the marvelous indwelling of Mary. God waits to indwell you as well, to come into your heart. Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you will open your heart's door, I will come in and dwell with you. Have you opened your heart? Maybe you need to open it again. May God be with us and dwell with us and help us to ponder his love and the amazing things of his word and his story and his teaching for us in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Oh God, thank you for your servant Mary. Thank you for your word. Thank you, oh God, that she was obedient and humble. She set such a wonderful example for us. And as we begin this new year, help us to share time with you, Lord, to be open in our everyday things that you might speak to us. And Lord, to ponder and to marvel at the things that you have done and the things, Lord, that you're gonna continue to do. Thank you again for your word. And thank you, O God, for the grace that you offer to each one of us. Come and dwell in us, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As we share in this closing song, um, the altar is open for you. As you begin this new year, what a wonderful time to come and, and to just come before God and say, Lord, I just want to open my heart so that you might dwell in me. I want to ponder and treasure the things that you are doing and going to do in my life. The altar is open. I invite our prayer volunteers to come forward at this time. May you be blessed.